Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining Law Matters. <laughs> In the studio this morning, we have a special guest, John Peters, and I want you to tell everybody how long you've been in business, what you do, everything about you. I want to know it. Boy, that's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> I was first licensed in insurance in 1968 and got my securities license in 1969. Uh, back then, I had to pass the original uh, Series 1 test. I was in management at the time. In order to stay in management, I had to score at least a B on the uh, big, long exam, which I did. And then uh, I was corporate. I was uh, corporate and executive with a company and worked for them and managed uh, three states at one time, uh, Illinois, Michigan, and Indiana. Where in Illinois? Uh, Chicago. That's where I'm from. Uh, my first office was in Orland Park, and then That's I was back Chicago. in Chicago <laughs> a little, yeah, a little bit later in uh, Oak Brook. Okay. I lived in Oak Brook. So, yeah, I lived in Lombard right around the corner from Oak Brook. That's my godparents lived in Lombard. Yeah. Okay, we're neighbors. Great, great uh, that's right, great place. <laughs> and uh, then I, uh, I was, as I said, I was corporate for some time with a company, a company called Nationwide. And then I was recruited away from Nationwide and became vice president of a uh, large brokerage firm. And then from there, I was recruited away from there and became president of a company in Chicago called Financial Guardian. That's when my uh, home was in. Uh, Lombard and I worked in Oak Brook. Then, uh, <clears throat> through the uh, circumstances, we were bought out by another firm and they made me an offer to go to any number of different places and take over the op- one of the operations. And I chose not to do that. So my wife and I bought a three quarter ton four wheel drive suburban, a 34 foot Parler Regal travel trailer, and we traveled for a year. And we got to Arizona. We fell in love with Arizona and started looking for an opportunity in Arizona. And uh, originally, I worked uh, for a company called Farm Bureau. And then I worked for a company called Farmers, uh, helping to get uh, their people all uh, licensed in securities. Uh, back then, very few insurance companies had their people licensed in securities. So I did that. Then I became a uh, what they call a wholesaler, and I covered eight states, uh, all West Coast and uh, Utah, Idaho, Montana, and so forth. Uh, then that company merged, and uh, I had been with them a couple of years. The other person had been there for 17 years, and I got one of those uh, wonderful phone calls that uh, we have decided that uh, we can only have one rep in the area, so... Uh, you need to find something else to do. And that I thought, was charming. Well, yes, I know. Uh, one of those things that uh, you never know about, but it was fortuitous because I needed a back operation, and I was uh, putting it off. And this first thing I did when I hung up was call the surgeon and said, hey, we're, we're ready this. to go. Yes. <laughs> ready to go. So I decided to open my own business. And the business is called Professional Wealth Strategies. We do retirement estate and legacy planning. Uh, we're income, uh, retirement income specialists. And through the years, I've gotten five uh, different designations. The first designation is CLU. That stands for Chartered Life Underwriter. 
That's uh, five years of study, ten semesters, and ten four-hour examinations to uh, make sure that you know anything and everything there is to know about the life insurance industry. Then I studied for the RHU, which is Registered Health Underwriter, which is all about uh, insurances dealing with health insurance, like long-term care, Medicare supplements, uh, health, regular health insurance. Then I, I decided I needed to be fully rounded, so I took the CPCU course. That is another five years, uh, ten semesters, and each semester at the end of it was a four-hour essay examination. And I don't know if you've taken essay examinations, but they're a little bit different to multiple choice. And so then uh, I moved on and decided that uh, I wanted to be a financial planner, so I took the chartered financial consultant courses. That was another five years at that time uh, and uh, another five examinations. And then uh, a number of years ago, they came out with a designation for accredited investment advisor. Uh, we're all fiduciaries. Uh, it's accredited investment fiduciary. And we're all fiduciaries, and this is the official title for folks that are fiduciaries. There are not very many of them around. I was going to say, tell our listeners what a fiduciary is, because that's significant when you're dealing with finances. Well, uh, a fiduciary uh, is that you have to do anything and everything that you can in the client's best interest, not in your best interest. And any advice that you give to a client has got to be advice that will hold up in a court of law as advice that a prudent man would give. And so anything and everything we do, in fact, one of the first things I tell a prospect is it's your money. Uh, it's not my money. And we have to do what's best for you. And when we're looking at what are we going to do in the way of wealth management for a client, we look at estate planning. Uh, we, uh, If they do not have a good estate plan or if it's an old one, we will introduce them to an attorney and have that attorney revise the estate plan. I normally sit on the, in on that uh, whole discussion because we want to make sure I know more about the client by the time we get to the attorney. So it saves the attorney a lot and saves the client some money. Because Is it an in-house attorney? There. No. Okay. Uh, I tried to hire a, an attorney in-house, but uh, he lived way over in the east side, and our office is at the corner of Campbell and Sunrise. And he just did not want to be that far away from his family, young children at the time. So that didn't work out, but we still use him as well as many other attorneys in town. Uh then the second thing we look at with a client after we're done with estate planning is protection planning. Do they have the long-term care that they need? Do they need? Are they still working? Do they have the disability income that they need? Uh, if they're getting ready to retire, do they may need a Medicare supplement? And if they need a Medicare supplement or one of those, we uh, refer them out to another client. There's just too many things for us to try and do everything for a client. But we do have a lot of good people that we resource out clients too for certain items. Then when we uh, have gone through that phase, we talk about retirement income. How much money are they going to want to live on in retirement? Are they going to have enough? And if they are fine, if they're not, what do we have to do between now and retirement time to make sure they have enough money to live on, to do the things that they've always wanted to do in retirement and never run out of money? That's the, the key. Then we look at their tax return. 
there's not many financial people out there that really review tax returns, but we go through the tax return with a fine-tooth comb looking for ways that we may be able to save on taxes, and knowing what their tax return is all about helps us make some investment decisions to make sure that we don't uh, bring in too much interest income or dividend income that would put them in another tax category in, in the way that we're investing for them. And then the last thing that we look at are their current investments, where they are now, and what recommendations we might have if they were to become clients of ours. And then once they become a client, then we have anywhere from one to four annual meetings, uh, or I guess it's four, it's quarterly meetings. But <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I don't do numbers myself. <laughs> so... Uh, but, uh, you know, whatever the client needs. And if uh, we're more than just I- investment people, a lot of stockbrokers out there just do stocks. And But uh, we are more holistic in that we do a number of other things rather than just the plain investments. In fact, I've helped clients buy cars. I've uh, helped clients find a good roofer uh, and a number of different things that they need. We try to have a professional uh, referrals that uh, when a client has something going on, they call and say, hey, I need, you know, $12,000 to put in the roof of my house. Uh, and we'll say, well, what's wrong? <laughs> and uh, why 12? And then I'll maybe recommend the roofer that I know because, uh, and send them out there and they say, you don't need a new roof. You've got an area on your roof that needs to be patched. We can do that for $1,000 and you're done. So we do a lot of other things for clients besides just that. And one of the things that we have been doing for clients, which a lot of other financial advisors have not, and quite frankly, I haven't, uh, four or five years ago, uh, I wasn't even allowed to say the words reverse mortgage. Uh, however. <laughs> yeah. It, it was a bad word. <laughs> yes, it was. And it was a bad word for a long time, and a lot of people didn't understand them. Uh, but uh, we have uh, done uh, some classes for our clients on reverse mortgages, and we work with some excellent reverse mortgage people uh, to uh, help clients in that area, which is uh, an area that has helped a number of uh, clients over the years. Oh, sure. A listener called in to say they didn't get your name. We're, jo- talk- we're talking with John Peters. That's correct. And the name of your company? Professional Wealth Strategies. And we're located at 6340 North Campbell Avenue, Suite 200 in Tucson. And that's right at the corner of Campbell and Sunrise. Uh, there's a row of office buildings back behind Fleming's and the CVS store there on the corner. And uh, we're right there, right near the uh, ear, nose, and throat people that uh, Dr. Kang and Dr. Laura they have an office that's almost next door to us. There you go. Okay. Okay, we the interest rates have really plummeted, and I, I anticipate they're going to go down even more. People have been refinancing their homes. I do reverse mortgage, but I also do forward loans, which is your conventional, you know, FHA, VA, all these other loans. And... I've been telling people it's really smart if you have an interest rate that's three or higher right now, it's worth a refi. Let's, you know, you can be doing something better with that money than paying it down to, you know, interest. So what do you tell people about structuring their mortgage? Well, first of all, I uh, 
have a number of people that have been clients have come in and said, hey, I've decided to take $100,000 and pay off my mortgage. I don't want a mortgage payment. And I have a long discussion with them because uh, there's two reasons to do that. First is a a logical reason, and the second is an emotional reason. And a lot of people get hung up in the emotional side of things. And my job as a wealth manager is to take the emotion out of decisions. And especially when we're talking about the stock market and the market going up and the market going down and people panicking when it goes down, my job is to take that emotion out and look at it from a logical point of view. So I discuss that with a client. And uh, my philosophy on mortgages is a lot different than other people's. My philosophy is if you've got a 4% mortgage, I'm just using that because it's easy numbers to work with, and you're in the 25% tax bracket, your mortgage is actually a 3% mortgage because you are able to deduct that interest on your tax, and that saves you uh, on the 25% tax bracket, 25%. So we, uh, uh, my philosophy is any money tied up in a home in equity is dead money, meaning they, they can't use it. Uh, having a home 100% paid off doesn't make it more valuable. It doesn't make it sell any easier. It doesn't uh, do anything to enhance things. And you have all that money tied up sitting there not earning any money for you. And if you need additional income, you either have to take a loan out and start paying uh, interest on that, or, uh, you know, we have to find some other way to provide more money to you. So I usually uh, tell a client, do not pay off the home. But as I said, that's a logical standpoint that I'm coming from, but a lot of clients uh, and people out there have this emotional uh, need to not have a mortgage payment based on what they've been told in the past and trained on and and so forth and back in the that depression days school. and so forth. Absolutely. Exactly. They would have parties to burn the, the deed when, you know, That's I right. don't know why there, they did that. Used you to need be, that paperwork. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Used to be mortgage burning parties. You're yeah. right. And, you know, people would feel, you know, comforted that they don't have a mortgage payment to deal with. All they have is taxes and insurance. That's and correct. That sounds like a reverse mortgage to me. And uh, also on that, when they're paying uh, for that mortgage, uh, that money that they're paying at uh, 4%, which nets out the 3% mortgage cost, why in the world would we take money out of the market that averages 10 to 12% per year. Yes, it goes up and yes, it goes down, but over time it averages 10 to 12% per year. Why would you take 10 or 12% money to pay off a 3%? Yes. Yeah, that makes mortgage. no sense. That makes absolutely no sense. And I've got, you know, I've, I've done reverse mortgages or several scenarios that, you know, where it's really helped a person. And it's tax-free money. I think people don't understand that when you do a reverse mortgage, you're using the money that's already had taxes paid on it. It's tax-free money. So talk to people about the tax-free portion. Well, there are a number of ways that you can use a reverse mortgage uh, to uh, help you in your financial planning. The first one is a lot of people nowadays like to retire early. And let's say that you're a person that wanted to retire at age 62. 
uh, and your uh, Social Security, and I'm just using round numbers here. I'm not using Social Security charts. Yeah, or we're anything. not talking about you specifically. <clears throat> we're talking right. in general. So at 62, let's say that you have roughly a thousand dollar monthly payment coming in from Social Security. But if you were to wait until age 70, you would have about $1,800 a month coming in from Social Security. So to cover that gap between age 62 and age 70, you could do a reverse mortgage uh, and take $1,000 a month out of the reverse mortgage and have that paid to you over those years until you turned age 70. And then you shut off the reverse mortgage payment and you turn on your Social Security payment and now you have a thousand dollars a month to live on and eight hundred dollars you can use to either pay off the reverse mortgage loan to reduce the interest that you uh, pay on that or you can not make any payments on it and start living on the eighteen hundred dollars a month instead of thousand dollars a month so that's one way to use social security uh, uh, in doing uh, or to use a reverse mortgage I should say for uh, figuring out how to best use your Social Security. Uh, the second thing is you can draw out tax-free funds from those reverse mortgages uh, to uh, either reduce your tax liability or your medical bills. If you're living on a large dividend or interest income and that's driving your tax bill up, uh, you could shut that uh, off and just start drawing from uh, your reverse mortgage. Or if you had a large medical bill, uh, something over and beyond your deductible or your copay, uh, you could draw on your reverse mortgage to pay that also without having to, to go into any debt. So for people that are looking to uh, make sure that they've got something in the background that they can get to, uh, that they can take money and not have to pay it back if they don't want to, uh, it's an excellent way to do it is to use a reverse mortgage. Uh, you can also uh, protect your investment portfolio uh, from any downturns in the market. For example, if you were set up uh, in an uh, investment account uh, with us and you needed to draw out a 1000 or $2,000 a month, uh, and we're doing that uh, by uh, buying good stocks and selling off the growth. And the market takes a downturn, and we don't want to sell stocks when they're low. Instead of selling the stocks or uh, taking money out of your account, we just let your account go ahead and uh, react to the market when it turns around and comes back up again. And in the meantime, we draw the money out of the reverse mortgage instead of out of your investment account. Then when, again, when the market turns around and your investment account is back up again where, uh, you want to start using it, then you can either, uh, take the extra income that you're getting because of the growth in the portfolio and pay off the reverse mortgage or just keep spending the money that, that your portfolio is producing again and not have to take any more money out of your reverse mortgage. Uh, does that make sense to you? Yeah, that makes total sense to me. A lot of people don't understand that the reverse mortgage, there's a multiple ways of working a reverse mortgage. And if you have a financial planner who understands the mechanics of it and it's a good idea and how to use it, then, you know, you're going to be advised to go ahead and do a reverse mortgage. If you have a financial planner who doesn't get it at all, 
then, you know, you're going to lose because this is free money. It's in your, and you have to qualify. It's not like everybody can get a reverse mortgage. You do have to qualify. There are certain, you know, just like a forward, you have to qualify for a forward. You have to qualify for a reverse as well. And one of the things that I've done several, I've got a few stories here about some of the reverse mortgage scenarios that we've done. And people need to be smart about it. I know reverse mortgages have a bad rep. They earned it for years and years. But finally, the government got involved. That's the good news. The bad news is the government got involved. And, you know, we've got... (laughs) <laughs> We've got certain things that we, you know, we have to follow, and it's for the borrower's protection. It's not because we're trying to make your life miserable. We're trying to do what's right for the borrower. And reverse mortgages weren't always that way. You know, Guido in the back of the liquor store give you a reverse mortgage and then come collect with a baseball bat. No, that's not the case anymore. <laughs> that's right. One so, of the well, one of the qualifications is you have to be age sixty two. Right. Uh, at least age 62 in order to qualify, or one of the uh, uh, people in a marriage or partnership has to be 62. Uh, you can do a mortgage uh, with only one being 62. It's done a little differently than if they're both over 62, but uh, it, it can be done at age 62. Uh, when I was mentioning about protecting the portfolio, I just mentioned this. When uh, we first started to learn about COVID uh, back in January and February, uh, we had had a uh, lunch and learn session at our office uh, for clients and uh, prospects and any friends or neighbors that they wanted to bring to learn about reverse mortgages. And one of the people that attended that, that has a, a very nice portfolio with us, uh, said, wait a minute, uh, this COVID thing could be pretty bad and it could affect the market. Uh, I kind of shied away from this reverse mortgage but I want to take a look at it now because I don't want to keep pulling from my portfolio if the market tanks and so uh, we worked with him to look at the uh, options and uh, there was another uh, situation that happened that he did not go through with it at that time but at least he was you know concerned and wanted to try and use that reverse mortgage if he needed to as it turns out March 23rd we had the big drop in the market uh, and the market was down 30, 30, 35%, uh, over that period of time. But then the market rebounded 60 some percent after that. So, uh, everything is back okay again. For now. For now, except for <laughs> yesterday. The market is like a roller coaster ride and people just have to understand you're on a roller coaster ride and it's normal. Well, I've taught a lot of classes. In fact, all of the things that I discussed, all the designations that I have, I have taught all the classes for all those designations. That's and, pretty uh, impressive except because you've got the, a litany of designations here. And the uh, the one thing about teaching the class when it came to investments, I always told uh, my students uh, that they needed to think of investing in the market as walking up a pair of set of stairs, playing with a yo-yo. <laughs> you're walking up, you're getting higher and higher, but as you're getting higher and higher, that yo-yo is going up and down. And that's the same way the market is. Over time, the market ex- responds very well, but it does have short periods of uh, 
volatility that uh, caused people to get concerned and worry. And as I said, my job is to try and take the emotion out. Let me ask you, when somebody's thinking about hiring an investment company person, what should they look for? Well, I think they need to look for a firm that has uh, good, qualified people working for it, people that have some years of experience, not uh, someone new. Uh, there's a lot of phone calling going on right now by firms trying to bring people in, and the new, what I call the newbies in the business, are on the phone calling, calling, calling all the time. Uh, so they want to kind of take a close look at anything they think about doing uh, through the telephone. But they want to make sure that the a person has a good reputation. Uh, when I'm looking at a prospect, uh, they oftentimes ask me for referrals, and I will give them several names of clients that they can call and uh, talk to and learn what we, you know, how we've done, how we operate. Uh, in you know, most cases, uh, our clients to us are like family. Uh, we have a lot of uh, different client activities during the year. Uh, not this last year, but normally. I was going to say, uh, I'm going to report you. <laughs> In fact, the way I met you was through one of your clients. I, everybody knows I'm a closing agent. I close out land transactions. And I was doing this closing for a reverse mortgage. And I said, you know, how did you decide to do a reverse mortgage? Because I'm always curious what people, you know, it's a smart thing to do. And she just bragged and bragged and bragged about you. And I'm like, okay, I've got to meet this guy. <laughs> so, well, you know, she, she is one of those that uh, is the fourth reason that I have listed for using reverse mortgages. And that is that you can increase your cash flow by eliminating your mortgage payments. Absolutely. And in this situation, uh, her spouse had passed and, uh, he had a very large government pension. And that pension was gone. It was a single life pension. And he had made that decision long before they, they came to me. So that meant that she was going to have a large loss of income. Well, they always like to travel. And so we were talking about what we were going to do with the portfolio and what we could do so that she could still travel. And I said, well, have you, what's your mortgage payment? And it was almost $2,000 a month. Ooh. And I said, well, you know, if you if we do a reverse mortgage, uh, and you're able to uh, get a reverse mortgage, and it all makes sense, you're going to have two thousand dollars a month or twenty four thousand dollars a year to travel on, because you're not going to have that mortgage payment anymore. Absolutely. And so uh, she said, wow, uh, I want to investigate that, and so she did. Uh, I do not do reverse mortgages. I get no compensation on from anyone from reverse mortgages. That would mortgages. be illegal. Yes, exactly. Yes, it would. <laughs> uh, two things are illegal about reverse mortgages. One is getting compensation for referring someone to a reverse mortgage. And secondly is recommending that somebody get a reverse mortgage so they can give me the money to invest. Exactly. That is <laughs> no good and it is wrong and it's against the law, against the the rules, and we, so we don't Yeah, do we really emphasize that. We do lunch and learns, too, and we really, really emphasize, you know, this is not what you want to do, and you don't want to go to the horse track, have a trip to Las Vegas, but, you know, you don't want to do some things. And if I get it, and I've had situations where I've turned down people because I get the impression 
they're not that responsible. They're going to take all this money. They want it all out at one time, which I don't recommend doing. And they just want to go, you know, play. And that's not a good idea. That's correct. Because once it's gone, it's gone. Yes, and you're, you're right. Uh, in a reverse mortgage, uh, provided they have the equity in their home that's necessary, uh, they have a line of credit that they can access. And uh, That's that, the one I always tell people, this is what you want to do, or a monthly payment, yes. but you don't want to take it all out at once because that money's earning money. Sure, they can set it up like a, an annuity exactly. uh, and uh, just draw so much money a month. And when you do it that way, uh, even though the amount of your equity goes to zero, your payments are going to continue just like they would with an annuity uh, when you're using the reverse mortgage uh, for that monthly income. Uh, but if you take a lump sum, you're done. That's it, I mean, folks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you take the lump sum and go out and do something crazy with it, and, uh, you know, you're done. There's no other money there to access. So you want to be real careful about what you do with it because you can use it as a line of credit, which is, uh, you know, one of the, uh, another way that you can use a reverse mortgage. Okay. We're going to take a quick break right now. We'll be back in a few. Okay. Daylight is fading and the temperature is dropping. You are not only cold, hungry, and lost in a densely wooded area, you're injured. Time is of the essence. Sarsi is a highly trained team of dedicated volunteers who work closely with Pima County Search and Rescue to help people in critical situations just like this. To join an exclusive team of heroes, go to sarsi.org. That's S-A-R-C-I dot org. We need your knowledge, experience, and of course, your generous spirit. Hi, this is Sherry. If you think your current interest rate is high and refinancing is on your mind, give me a call at 520-310-9900. Maybe you're thinking about purchasing a new home while rates are low. Give me a call at 520-310-9900. Perhaps you just want to know how a reverse mortgage can improve your life. Give me a call at 520-310-9900. I can help you with all your mortgage needs, and I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. This is Nathan Chabin, producer for Law Matters. I have a goal to reach, and I need your help. I want to put the DEA out of business. That's right, the Drug Enforcement Agency. If you have an addiction problem or know someone who does, please reach out to lawmatters1030.org and click the DEA tab for more information. Reaching out is the first step. We have the resources if you have the will. You can beat this demon and help me put the Drug Enforcement Agency out of business. To report suspected human trafficking, please call the National Human Trafficking Resource Center at 1-888-373-7888 or text HELP or INFO to 233-733. To learn more about Homeland Security investigations and our efforts to combat human trafficking, please visit our website at www.ice.gov or check out the DHS Blue Campaign at www.dhs.gov slash blue campaign. For more information on the Southern Arizona Anti-Trafficking Unified Response Network, please visit us at www.saturn.org or find us on Facebook. Thanks for staying with us. Our guest today is John Peters, and he's the owner of Professional Wealth Strategies, and we're just learning a whole bunch of stuff right now. And there are different scenarios for using a reverse mortgage, and I can tell you a few that 
I have come across. I have um, a grandma widow, and she gets a monthly stipend, partially because she needs money to live on, but she always takes a portion of it and gives it to her financial advisor to invest because she created a, an account that her granddaughter doesn't know she's getting to help her granddaughter pay off, you know, maybe tuition, college tuition or whatever eventually. And I always thought, you know, what a nice grandma. Why did my grandma do that? And then there are people who want to complete cash out. And I, I did do one because she decided she wanted to buy a home in Mexico, oceanfront property. It's, it's your money. But now she has two homes, a home here and a home in Mexico, and she doesn't have a mortgage on either one. And that makes sense. You know, she's close enough to go on vacation a little bit more frequently than, you know, normal people. Right. And, you know, so she's happy, but she didn't run to the racetrack with it. She's, you know, not playing the ponies. So tell me some of the situations where you've had people do a reverse mortgage. Well, I mentioned one where we uh, did the reverse mortgage so that uh, she has money now that she can travel with. Uh, there was also uh, there's another one where we had a, a widower and a two-income family. Uh, they were both over 62, uh, but he she passed away and left him. And since it was a, a dual-income family, uh, and now there's only one income, he was having trouble with the mortgage payments and other things. And so I suggested that he, he was just a friend, uh, not a client, just a friend, and advised him that it might be good to look into reverse mortgage, which he did, and he did it. Uh, one of the things I will mention about uh, even thinking about a reverse mortgage is once you start that process, uh, you are required to go through a class a question program with the uh, uh, federal uh, Sherry, you probably know the name of the organization. The, yeah, the consular. It's FHA consular, and, yeah. and they will talk to you. You have to pay for this class. It's typically over the phone, and they will talk to you and go step by step by step by step so that you understand and they know you understand. And whoever your reverse mortgage person is isn't feeding you a pile of poop. They want you to know what's going on and that, you know, you're doing the right thing for your scenario. That's that's right, and that's one of the things that that they have uh, done that has helped make reverse mortgages more palatable to a lot of people. And this has only started like three, three, it'll be four years this year, October 10th, and that's when reverse mortgages took a, a complete about face because they used to be that, what did they call it, the loan of last resort, and now people are going, oh, I can use this and actually make money on it. So why wouldn't I do that? It's a smart loan. It's the smartest one out there. Yes, they uh, started, I believe, way back when Jimmy Carter was president. There were some of these that were done. Uh, Reagan, when he came in, learned about them and uh, uh, went and caused some changes in the rules and the laws to make sure people weren't being taken advantage of on them. And uh, there have been a number of improvements since then. As I said earlier, a few years ago, I wouldn't even have mentioned the words reverse mortgage. But you know, that the first whole one thing, was done in 1961. Yeah. I mean, you know, and it, it just, it was an idea. A banker's 
best friend passed away and the wife was struggling like so many people are still doing. And he said, I'll give you a monthly payment and, you know, take it out of the equity of your house and so she could live and not have to move. So, you know, that was the, and that happened in 1961 and it turned into something. Yes. And now we're glad it did. <laughs> this is one of the things that the government has gotten involved in that has actually improved it. Yes, absolutely. Uh, because, it, like I said, it earned a bad rep because of the way some, and I don't know if people have noticed the big banks don't do them anymore, but it, it earned a bad reputation because of the way they were um, formulating the reverse mortgage. And if you ran out of interest in your house or equity in your house, they could say, okay, you've got to move. And they can't do that anymore. So even if you use all the equity out of your house with your monthly payments, you live longer than the matrix said you were going to live. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you still can't be kicked out of your house, and you still will receive a monthly payment. That's right. There are a lot of people that are afraid that uh, if something happened that they would lose their house. Yes. And uh, they were very concerned about that. But uh, nowadays, when you do a reverse mortgage, you still own the home. The bank does not own the home. You own the home. And uh, that's a very important uh, distinction. Now, you can lose your home in a reverse mortgage because even though you're not making a mortgage payment, you're still required to pay your taxes. You're still required to pay your uh, homeowner association dues, whatever's necessary there. Uh, and uh, maintain you're required insurance. to main, you maintain insurance on the home, and you also have to maintain the home. Yeah. You just can't, you know, let the roof leak and and ruin the ceilings and not take care of things. You've got to, uh, it's still your home and uh, nothing has changed. And uh, the other thing, you know, is at the end of the reverse mortgage, when does it end? Well, it ends when the last person leaves the home. Permanently and, leaves uh, the home. Yeah, yes. permanently leaves the home. So it could be going into an assisted living facility, a memory care facility, uh, or they decide to, to to move out of the house and go somewhere else, uh, and then uh, the mortgage comes due. And in a lot of cases, it's either they're moving out into assisted living or they have passed, and then the children come in. And there are some positive things about the reverse mortgage, and that is the amount due at the end of the reverse mortgage is roughly uh, the amount that the house appraises for. 95% of the and, value that it currently appraises for. Right. And the children can buy that home if they want at uh, at that 95% of the appraisal. So if, for example, the parents had a $500,000 home when this thing started, and now uh, the home uh, had appreciated up to 800000 and then uh, the market, uh, like happened in 2007, 8, and 9, the housing market uh, took a big nosedive and tanked. And uh, if, if nowadays, if they'd had a reverse mortgage, uh, the house maybe went from 800000 back down to 600000 So if the children want the home, they can buy the home for 95% of that 600000 that it appraised for hold on to it, live in it or whatever, when it goes back up to 800000 again, they've made a nice profit on the home and can either continue to live there or sell it, do what they want to do. But uh, there may be $800,000 owed on the, on the loan, 
but the home money appraised for 600 and they can buy for 95% of that. And the reason for that is there is insurance, FHA insurance normally on the, on the loan that takes care of making up that difference for the bank. That's mandatory too with a reverse mortgage. There's no way of getting away from and the the cost of it is also set by the government, so you don't have somebody going, you know, I'll I'll charge you two hundred dollars for this, and the other next one says, oh, three hundred dollars. You know, it's set. It's there's no negotiating, and it's mandatory. And the way the bank is whole again is because of this insurance. So if they've been paying out, and you know, Grandma used eight hundred thousand dollars of her equity when she only had 500,000 to begin with it's the insurance that makes the bank whole that's correct so you know people sometimes people just can't wrap their mind around that <laughs> and i think just talking about a reverse mortgage instead of a forward loan people have a hard time wrapping their mind around it to begin with so i'm glad you're here to help explain what some of these scenarios are um one of the other scenarios that I was going to mention is I have a client uh came to me as a referral. She did not have the amount of money that we would normally like to see uh in a client that we would bring on. But I'm the type of person I want to help anyone I can if I can. And so I brought her on as a client. And then as I move through the process that we take a client through, uh, three interviews, a complete discussion in all three or all five of those areas, estate planning, uh, protection planning, uh, income planning, tax planning, and investments. And I determined that she was living on her pension that she had from her work, and she was living on that and her Social Security. And her pension was just enough to cover her mortgage payment. So... She only had her Social Security to buy her food, pay for her car, pay for her health insurance, whatever else that she had to do. So she was living very thinly, and we're trying to figure out how to take the amount of money that she had and turn it into an income stream that would help. And then I got thinking about it, and I said, I think you need to talk to someone about a reverse mortgage. And so she did. And she ended up doing a reverse mortgage, and uh, that took care of her mortgage payment. It uh, gave her a line of credit that she can draw on if she needs to. Uh, and she now has her pension and her Social Security that she can live on, and she can take some of the trips that she has wanted to take. And, uh, uh, you know, every, every year uh, she likes to take a trip somewhere, and uh, a lot of our... Uh, investment meetings, uh, quarterly, month, or quarterly, semi-annually, annually, whatever they are, the discussion is how much money have I made and can I afford to take another trip? And, <laughs> Where am I and, going? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's worked out wonderfully uh, for her. You know, I did a closing. This happened a few years back. I did a closing for a couple. Um, she didn't work. He was working, but he was also just diagnosed with... Um, stage four cancer they were doing a forward loan refinancing into a conventional 30-year fix they both would have qualified to do a reverse mortgage and i couldn't say anything at the closing table because that's just not 
Not kosher. Not what you're supposed to do. But I was like, oh, my God, these people should be doing a reverse mortgage. She can't afford this house. Obviously, she's unemployed. He's, his situation doesn't sound promising. She's going to lose the house. And they should have, when, you know, sometimes your medical situation comes up and you know when one spouse passes away, your double income is now cut in half or sometimes more. Yeah, they lose the the larger of the two Social Security payments. Right. And, you know, you need to plan ahead. And it sounds morbid sometimes that, you know, but when you've got a situation, you need to work to the best of your ability to make it as um, less painful as possible. And especially if somebody doesn't want to lose their home. Who wants to move? You know. That's that's right. You're, you're 62, you're 65, you're whatever your age. That's not the time you want to be moving. That's what I hear from so many clients is uh, I, I plan to live in my home until I pass. Yeah. And uh, oftentimes, although that is their plan, uh, their health changes that, and they're not able to do that. And uh, we also have people that we work with that are excellent at finding their proper home, uh, proper facility for uh, clients to go to. Uh, you know, I've had clients that have had to move out of their home, move into a facility where maybe the husband is in a long-term care situation and the wife is independent and she's still able to, you know, have her car and drive and, and do whatever she needs to do, but her husband needs some extra care. Uh, and then as things progress, his memory went and then we had to find a memory facility. So there, uh, you know, there are a number of things. In fact, that's one of the ways that, uh, you can use a reverse mortgage. If you have the reverse mortgage and you have a good amount of equity there that you can tap into, and uh, for whatever reason you either have never considered buying long-term care insurance or you have looked at it and decided that you didn't want to pay for it or you didn't need it, and now you find yourself going into an assisted living facility and your spouse is still staying in the home. So now you have the mortgage payment on the home, and you have the uh, payment that you have to make to the long-term care facility. And they're not cheap. Yeah, no, they're not. Uh, three to five to six thousand dollars, and uh, if you end up in a nursing home on a ventilator, it could be twenty-five or thirty thousand dollars a month uh, for that care that they need. So, oh, just take me out to the back forty and shoot me. Well. <laughs> You know, like, I, oh. I I hear that from a lot of male clients. I don't yeah. need long-term care. When a time comes, I'll just take the 45 and take care of things. And I say, well, what if you're not in a condition to even do that? Yes. You know, uh, so you need to think beyond. And all my psychic ability, right? That's exactly right. Uh, um, that's, that's really a sad situation. A lot of uh, insurance, though, will allow people to come into the home to take care of you. But you have to be prepared for that as well. That's right. And so you can tap into that uh, reverse mortgage to cover the second payment that you have to make uh, every month, one to the mortgage company, one to the long-term care facility. And you can use your reverse mortgage to do that. So that's another way that you can put that reverse mortgage to work. 
Yeah, the money's sitting there, your equity's sitting there, it's not earning any interest, and it's just a waste of money. That's right. <laughs> I didn't say it that way. <laughs> so, you know, if you want to earn some money, at least do a reverse mortgage and let let it start earning money. Now, what are some of the qualifications? Do you know that, or do you want me to tell you? Well, I know that you have to be 62, uh, and uh, you can only uh, normally get about a reverse mortgage if you about half of what your home is worth, roughly. But I'll let you talk the details because I don't. Once I refer someone to a reverse mortgage person, uh, I'm not involved in that unless uh, we have to uh, take some money out of the account. In fact, this one situation that I mentioned to you with the uh, lady that was uh, living on her pension and Social Security, uh, it turned out that she did not have enough equity in her home to do a reverse mortgage. And so they, she came to me and said, they said that I need $70,000 more equity. Yes. And so we looked at her account. I ran the numbers, and I said, there's no way in the world that I can take the money that uh, that seventy thousand dollars and come up with a mortgage payment for the next thirty years or whatever uh, with that money or create an income stream anything equal to that. I think we should take the seventy thousand dollars out of your account and pay it off, pay it into the equity, and then do the reverse mortgage and eliminate that mortgage payment. So we did. Equity. We took we took the money out because when I ran the numbers, there was no way in the world. Uh, in fact, I've run some numbers on myself, and uh, yeah, I need a little bit more money in my home in order to make that work. And when I calculated it out, if I put that money in the home and eliminated my mortgage payment, I'm making twenty percent on that money. Yes, it's it's, it's a no brainer. But yes. you know, people are so used to doing forward loans, your conventional thirty year fix, whatever, and to do a reverse mortgage and actually use the money, use that money to make your life better. And not everybody qualifies, like you said. But I I did some numbers for one lady, and she would have needed to come in with thirty four thousand to make it all go away and start earning money. And she could not wrap her head around the fact that you're going to make money if you spend $34,000 and, you know, over the course of time. But that's okay. Everybody to each their own. I should have sent her to you so that you could down the chalkboard. People are visual. And I know there's people out there right now going, huh? People are visual. And if you really need to do a class, we do classes, too. I do them with um, Pioneer Title. And if you want to do a class, we can't do them for, you know, what, another few months in person? That's correct. But let's do it. Let's let's get you on a list, a waiting list to, you know, call me when the classes are open so I can better understand this. And just send me an email. Send me an email, sherry at lawmatters1030.org, and we'll start a list and... We'll make sure you're one of the first ones to be invited to a, a lunch and learn. And there are ways now to do virtual classes. In fact, we're kind of been looking at that or investigating that uh, as to whether we might want to try and do that since we can't do. We were doing a regular lunch and learn the third Thursday of every month in our office. Uh, we moved our office a couple of years ago and doubled our space. 
uh, and uh, have a large conference room that we can hold 14 people or more, prefer not more, but we try to limit the classes, and if we find it, it uh, runs more than 14 in one, we'll do a second class back-to-back. And uh, so... Uh, we have a classroom that holds about 35 now. people. So, you know, it's and everything's high-tech, and we might have to, you and I might have to sit down and talk about using that classroom to do a virtual, because yes. I, I just think it's so worth it. A number of years ago, uh, I had a 50-inch television put into our conference room by a commercial firm here in town. And we have used that for probably the last 10 years or so. And when we moved into our new office, uh, we decided that we needed a larger screen. So we put in our two conference room, we put uh, 75 inch television screens in there because as you said, people are visual. Yes. And so we can go on the television and we can show them uh, reports uh, on their investments. We can uh, show illustrations. Uh, we also keep a whiteboard uh, where we can actually you know, draw it out, draw it out, <laughs> show it out. Uh, I uh, use that quite a bit trying to explain some things to uh, about investing to uh, clients when they have a question. Okay. I want to thank you for coming on. I got a text message from one of our search and rescue guys, I'm going to call him Dr. Steve because apparently they were out at the TCC administering virus, virus uh, vaccines. COVID vaccine. Yeah, so, wow. And the weather has been a little crazy lately. I think everybody's noticed that. And he's saying that it, this is from Dr. Steve Chuk. Everybody knows Dr. Steve. And he's saying if you're going to go hiking, please be prepared because the weather is changing Minute by minute, <laughs> you know, we've got we've got strange weather going on right now. It's winter in Arizona and you want to be nice and warm. You want to take that extra precaution, socks, put on socks. And what else does he say here? He said, don't use your cell. Don't leave your cell phone on. Only turn it on when you need it because you might need it if you get lost. And I expected him to call in, but he can't. But he did send a flyer. So. When I get home, I'll put the flyer on the website where it says events. Look at the website and check out what uh, Pima County Search and Rescue has to say. What's your website address? Uh, com. That stands for Professional Wealth Strategies Arizona. com. Okay, I want to thank everybody for joining us today, and until next week, shop local, stay safe, and we'll see you then.